But I believe that culture is the sum of every decision that's been made within an organization. I'm Kieran Bajar of Culture Crunch, brought to you by Hunters and Unicorns. Today, we're lucky enough to be joined by Chelsea Krakowski, innovator in the people space at Audit Board. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Kieran, so good to be here. If you're happy to, could you just share with our, our viewers and our listeners just a little bit more about what your role entails? Absolutely, yeah. So my role is all things people, and that's quite broad, but really the way I think about people is through the people experience, soup to nuts. And so that's everything from attracting, engaging, developing, and then ultimately retaining amazing talent. And as you know, in this market, there's a whole new set of challenges. And given your position, you know, firmly within the people space, Chelsea, I'm just going to launch right in, and, and I'm so keen to hear your answer. What to you is good company culture? Yeah, great question. Uh, Such a huge topic and excited to explore that in more depth as we have this conversation today. But at a high level, I believe good company culture is living and breathing core values, right? And so how do you do that, right? It's through leadership modeling, creating culture around things like learning, communication, and feedback. And ultimately, though I do lead engagement programs, I really believe that it's individualized. And so it's through high touch, high frequency, lightweight interactions with individuals. And of course, then you need programs and tools to scale that. So we've got the, what you said, you've got the outward facing, the programs, and and then the inward facing, keeping your exceptional talent that you have happy and, 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 and have retainment. So how do you, when you talk about it, do you talk about it in two in two different kind of ways, or is it is there a, like a collective perspective that you have on company culture? Yeah, so I'm highly relational, and that drives everything that I do. Um, when I joined six months ago, it was all about starting to create relationships with everyone from executives to individual contributors. And through that relationship, building that and the trust and the empathy, what has come out of that has been real opportunities to believe in people first before they've necessarily given you a reason to, and then watch their watch them rise to the occasion and, and meet the potential that in some cases they didn't even realize they had within them. And so, I mean, you can't do that across 600 employees individually, but what that does is it ignites something in the culture where when people have that experience, they give that experience. And so um, that's a bit of what I've been up to um, kind of as foundation laying for being able to really then leverage champions, build programs, but also listen deeply to the needs of the specific culture as it stands where I'm joined. To kind of step back a little bit and answer your broader question about company culture and and really like zooming out, what is culture, right? I find it's really helpful to have common language around what we mean when we say culture. And so I've been really, really blessed over the last, I don't know, I won't say how many years, um, not that many, but not that few, 
I've really been blessed to have so many interactions. Actually, in a previous role where I was training 20 general managers every month for five years, and we would kick off our management development session by asking the question, what is culture? And it was really, really interesting to hear 20 perspectives every month. And um, through that experience over those years, I was able to finally articulate kind of a, a synthesis of what I was hearing, right? And what we were kind of mind sharing in those in those management development classes. And so I'll share what I came up with. And I think it's it's still, it's always in process, right? As we continue to learn. But I believe that culture is the sum of every decision that's been made within an organization. And I think you can apply that to cultures of, you know, people and government and family cultures. And so what that does for us is really exciting, right? So if culture is the sum of every decision that's been made within an organization, it's empowering to look back and understand the decisions that have been made up to the day and understand how the culture was shaped in kind of those micro culture ads or or subtractions. But also it gives me hope and I hope it gives other people who view culture that way hope. Because when you believe that it's the sum of every little tiny decision, and by the way, that's across every single participant in the culture. So that would be every employee, every customer, then that gives you a huge opportunity, right? We make hundreds of decisions every single day. And so it's everything from the way that we choose to bring ourselves to work in the morning, the approach to the work. Um, the communications for sure, and also those really big decisions, right? Those big rocks. So it's all of it. And I hope that that kind of framing it through that mindset empowers individuals who may not feel like decision makers to know that they're actually having a meaningful impact on shaping the culture. Um, And then another piece of that is that it reduces the the kind of finger pointing, right? Whether we're applauding executives for forming a culture or you know pointing out things that we want to see improved, there's none of that in this in this mindset, right? Because if everyone's shaping the culture, it creates an accountability and a responsibility for everyone to be making decisions every day that help move the culture in the direction that we want it to go. I think that's such a a refreshing outlook on culture because it's a a definition which is actually immersed with the people. You know, the people are the culture because they make the culture. And I think that's actually what culture is. It's all-encompassing and it's got to include everyone. Otherwise, it's just a set of rules that are imposed upon a group of people, as opposed to the living, breathing values that we live by. I mean, so I mentioned the conversations that I was having and the way that I approach people to build the trust and invite them into this kind of culture building environment. And we talked about belief too. Another part of that is belonging, right? And so in the vein of inclusivity, when people feel that they have a meaningful way to engage in a culture that's open to their decision-making and ultimately having them form the culture, there's this 
heightened sense of belonging where you're invited to bring your whole self. And, and that's exactly what we're after, right? Is inviting that level of input in terms of culture formation. Absolutely. It's input, but it's also accountability. Because whilst we talk about accountability a lot, we're actually making it intrinsically built into the culture because we're saying, as, you know, as, as, as you've communicated it, if culture is the sum of all decisions made by all the people in an organization, then if there is something that needs addressing, the first port of call should be, can I do something differently? Before we look to my peers or my manager or my mentor or my sponsor, it's that sense of ownership. And again, I think that's, it links back to the empowering piece, which, which you raised about how some, I think you, the way you phrased it was, you're a decision maker, even if you don't feel like you are, which is, is a very empowering concept. It's a perfect fit, especially like in a startup culture or into a scale-up culture where there's a, a need for people to take that level of ownership and not think about accountability from a scary perspective, but actually as a positive opportunity. And so when I think about, you know, starting, growing companies, we really need employees to view themselves as entrepreneurs, right? To say like, I see an opportunity. I want to see this shift happen. I'm passionate about it. And I'm empowered to do something about it, right? And even if that something isn't launching a program or there's advocacy and then they can build, you know, champions around them. And then, you know, in places like Audit Board, where there's such a receptiveness to the employee's voice, uh, really powerful things can happen as a result of people feeling like they've been invited uh, to raise their hand and step into that role. Following on from that, there's inviting someone to speak up, but then there's that person already knows they have a voice. And it's that slight difference, you know, that kind of small shift, I think, is really integral to how we drive culture forward. And Chelsea, this is perhaps a bit off topic, I don't know, but what are your thoughts in terms of the tech space specifically? Where do you think we are? Do you think we're ahead of the curve? Do you think we're behind? What, what are your thoughts? In, and and the, the, the reason I'm asking is I'm really keen to understand culture, how to improve it, but also understanding and ascertaining where we are already. So in your opinion, where, where do you think we are in the tech space with culture? I think we are primed for acceleration and velocity. And I say that because tech in general is so innovative. It's a place where we challenge status quo. We think of ideas that have never been thought of before. We're really pushing the boundaries to serve customers through new and exciting, whether it's product development, um, service development, and ultimately that kind of theme of innovation. And so while that's a huge advantage in terms of the kinds of people who are attracted to the tech space, the way that they think, and I think maybe what they're passionate about, like what gets them out of bed in the morning is doing something new and exciting and not more of the same. And so I think we have the, the landscape and the fabric to do more innovating in the people side of things. And so I think that um, I think the people space is one that kind of lags generally in terms of thinking like, how can we break the barriers and rethink 
programs and processes. And there's been a ton of progress, like formation of entire um, like sub departments, right? A high emphasis on DEI, rebranding into people. But also, I'm personally convicted that there's more opportunity. And so to answer your question, where I think we are is we're in a space that's ready for velocity because I think we have the right pieces in place and we're at an inflection point. And in many ways, we're being forced to reevaluate based on the circumstances of the last two years. And so I think over the next 18 months, we're going to see um, massively transformed cultures around people um, and really opening up more opportunities for people to become more innovative. Following on from that, you said opening up of more opportunities. Am I right in saying that that's really driving inclusivity specifically? Can you expand a little bit more on that? Yeah, I mean, so one example of like viewing inclusivity um, as it relates to culture through one lens is the formation of more employee resource groups and affinity groups. I think we've seen those tick up massively over the last two years, really. And um, there's more of a, an appetite for it because I think that leaders in all levels are realizing that they don't necessarily have the experience, the tools, the time, the resources to lead. But there's also something about the heart, right? And the people who've chosen to raise their hand have this sort of X factor where they're willing to go above and beyond. And so that in its nature is this opportunity to not only empower leaders who don't necessarily have a leadership title, but really lead in their own domain where they have rich knowledge and experience, as well as those accelerate the speed in which the culture forms around the path forward. Does that make sense? Is that, is that clear? It does, absolutely. So we're talking about people feeling able to lead and make impactful decisions, even before they're given that promotion, that rigid structure. It's actually bringing, bringing something that you have to the table without necessarily having that formal invitation. Exactly. Great. And whilst we're on the, you know, talking about inclusivity, let's talk about diversity and, and diversity of thought. I mean, how do you think companies, especially high growth companies within the tech space, what can these companies do more to really encourage hiring and retaining talent who propel diversity of thought? You know, what we've seen recently, even on LinkedIn, is an opportunity to add experiences that are outside of the professional realm. And that's near and dear to my heart because I've had you know, the fact that I took a year off and traveled the world with my husband on my LinkedIn page since that happened five years ago. And so to answer your question, what I think we can do more of is I think that we can, we can be intentional and proactive to really invite more of the human elements outside of just the professional experience and education experience. And I think that that will form, I mean, it, it forms policy, right? If you want to think of it as culture as well, whether it's travel and how that can shape and shift a worldview or it's parenthood. I think that's a really, really amazing opportunity to tap into. And it's not so much the experience, right? It's really what you took away from it and how you bring that experience into who you are as a person and how you show up to work. 
And so things like resilience, which is embedded in our values at Audit Board, boy, 285 nights on the road back to back, there is some level of deep resilience and not sleeping in your own bed. And it's fun and it's exciting, but how does it form a character of an employee who then can contribute in the business world? And I think, you know, I'm not a parent myself, but the things that I have heard and experienced with friends and coworkers who are living that parenthood life, there there is so much untapped potential to not just say, okay, we have a mother's room, but to invite the experiences and the knowledge of a person who is traversed into parenthood into the workplace. And and that's a little bit of a gray area right now, I think. Um, But what I know is that, again, through relationships, through conversations, the more that an individual sees, feels seen and feels not just listened to, but really heard. Absolutely. It's really interesting just listening to to your perspective. I mean, traveling around the world, I, I can't imagine, you know, how, how enjoyable that must have been. But actually, yes, you're going to need a hell of a lot of resilience to do that. And, you know, and that's such an integral part of your experience and what makes you, you, because it no doubt shaped you to be able to bring that whole self to an interview, to a job, and to celebrate that is a very, very powerful thing to happen. Just slightly off topic, I remember going for a job interview and I had two small children at the time. I discussed it with my husband and this was a job that I really wanted to go for. So I went for it and it was for a, to work within the legal team of an oil and gas company. And the, the chap that was interviewing me said, okay, so either in your professional or, or your personal life, could you give me one example about when you've had to multitask? And I'm thinking my whole life is just one minute. Like when don't I multitask? But this was a good few years ago, but now I feel like we're getting to a place where you're encouraged to talk about that home side of you, that personal side of you. Whereas back then it certainly, it was almost frowned upon in a way. And just on that topic, Chelsea, about bringing your whole self to work, what does that, what does that mean to you? What does that look like? Well, it's so interesting because I think that the moment that we just had, as you were getting to tell a story that was really meaningful and impactful to your life, those kinds of conversations for connectedness come when both people are kind of on the same playing field. So there's a level of vulnerability to create a space where people feel comfortable telling that. And I hope that, you know, even to the listeners listening, I feel like I was able to connect with you and your experience when you share that. And so it's actually not that complex. It's quite simple. It comes from a place of genuine interest, right? Like we don't want to fabricate anything around like, well, tell me your story. And now there's a great story in the book, Radical Candor, about a, a, a team member, I think within the Facebook environment, who wanted to own a spirulina farm. And so their manager approached development, knowing that they wanted to give this team member opportunities to explore the tools they would need to be an entrepreneur one day. And so it's really just zooming out and seeing the person as a human first and then understanding how can the path they're on within the current role or current company provide them rich experiences 
to build on the human experiences that they've had and propel them into the next one. You know, it's hard when you when it's natural for you to kind of put words to it. But I'm always kind of joking, like people tell me all kinds of things that I'm not even asking them. I'm not even (laughs) probing for. I'm just I'm being myself. And so a lot of it really to kind of we're joking, but like it's modeling. It's it's finding the parts of yourself that you want to bring to work and creating that, you know, start with your team, build to the department, and you'll find these little hot pockets where there's something special happening. And I, I believe it's just being genuine, being vulnerable, bringing your full self. And then through doing that, creating the space for people to, to meet you in that environment. And my hope is that when we end this call, we and the listeners feel like, wow, we were able to tap into something that was a really human experience and that unites us all, right? Versus accolades or ego or anything else. Wow. Chelsea, you need to write a book and then sign it and then give it to me. That's what needs to happen. <laughs> um, and I guess we're talking about all the different factors, right? Bringing your holistic self to work and, and diversity of thought and inclusivity. And they're all strands that, you know, weave into the tapestry of culture. But what is the gold standard of culture? Where are we aiming for? What's the goal? So again, like I I pause here to say that programs can port scale, but I don't think programs are where it starts. And so the goal for me is to have a culture. And what I mean by culture is like, it's embedded in how we interact and speak. And I mean, all even tasks, like we write emails and schedule meetings and things like that that we're focused on constant feedback, 360 feedback, development, looking at the person as their whole, like weekly, daily, in every interaction. So when I say like the culture of feedback, it means every single interaction, not twice a year, right? And like performance reviews and things like that. And so same with, you know, sentiment, like checking in with team members constantly, understanding how their day was, how the week was, how that meeting went versus asking them once a year, like, how would you rate audit board as a place to work? And, you know, I'm giving like very polar opposites. There's probably a lot of middle ground for a lot of folks who are in different sizes and scales and organizational structures and and geo implications. But for me, the gold standard is that, gosh, it's hard to put words on it too, right? So like, it's, it's that it's, it's part of how we live, how we think, how we breathe. And then we can capture that intent and scale it through a program, but not lose the intent. So so the difference would be running a semi-annual performance review to give people feedback and, you know, check in on their development, build development plans versus having those conversations all the time. So my gold standard, one example of what that would look like is instead of managers going to go, oh my goodness, here comes this huge review cycle again, where I'm going to spend hours trying to formulate, you know, feedback for my team members. Instead, it would be, oh gosh, here we go again. You know, I do this every week. I could do this without notes. I can do this without stopping to, I mean, of course you want people to stop and think about it, but it's really natural. And so they could just say like, hey, what's working? What's not working? Instead of like, what should they be, you know, focused on for development? It's really a readout on 
what are we focused on? Like, where are we in the process of developing team members? So hopefully that gives you a, a sense. I think that's a kind of, kind of one example, but um, that can be spread across all programs in the company. Absolutely. So what really resonates, what I've taken is that we need to make culture and the development of culture part of the conversation. We need to make it part of the narrative. I think what a lot of companies do within and you know in and out of the tech space is that they make it a, a case of okay now is our time to talk about culture and now is our you know three month quarterly time to talk about your development and it's very very highly structured to the point where it's rigid and in order to make it more agile and fluid we need to you know really understand that it has to be immersed in the day-to-day does that sound Right. Yeah. And to follow up from that, you know, so I support an all hands meeting once a month and really think about how we can share examples about our core values and how they come to life in the way that we work together in that, you know, hour long meeting once a month. And it was so interesting um, when I got some feedback just in March after our last one, we had approached it from kind of a status update on goals. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be explicit that you're saying like, here's our core values and how we live them. Because some of the feedback after we had approached that session from like an update on our goals was that they, the, this in, individual felt that our core values were really well, it was a, a story well told. And I go, wow, that's so interesting because it wasn't explicit. It was implicit, but that was the message that came across. And so it's the intent. It's the way that you're curating the narrative. Another, you know, you mentioned the word agility, thinking about living in a VUCA world, right? Volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. The way that we can meet that need is through vision, right? So that's like highly... That's, that's a big picture. It's people. It's what are what's the mission we're trying to accomplish together, which is highly motivating. And then uncertainty, we can meet with understanding. So I mean, like for those listening now, there's no dogs barking. But a moment ago, my two English bulldogs were at the door. And so I, I think we've we've come a long way. <laughs> we've been forced to in terms of empathy and understanding for where people are at. That's kind of a circumstantial experience or example but there's a lot more understanding that we can do for the deep needs of humans in the environment that we're living in, especially around mental health. And then meeting volatility, sorry, volatility was with vision, uncertainty with understanding, complexity with clarity. And so communication has taken a hit since we're not all around the water cooler. And so even though, you know, you may feel quite certain, it's possible that a a colleague is uncertain. And so just being explicit and reinforcing messages and communicating as frequently as possible. And then finally, to get to the last one with the ambiguity, it's all about agility. And so I love to think about even in the people's space with programs, experimentation, and not not being so rigid with this is how it works. And this is how we're going to do it when we're going to do it. But really be setting up again, scale and programmatically opportunities or the infrastructure or cadence that has agility built into it, right? So it's not like total ad hoc, throw the plan out, but you've set yourself up in a way that you're able to pivot in real time. Understood. So we've got to 
like everything else, culture has to move with the times and adapt to the people and it, and be agile throughout. Regardless of what the culture necessarily is, it does need to be agile. I'm, I'm just um, quite shocked because I've just looked at the time and it's just flown by. Chelsea, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to discuss or, or share? I think the last piece would just be around, you know, it's two women talking today around believing in yourself, right? And bringing that whole self. You know, I think a lot about my role onboarding remotely, um, working with the team and, and how do you do that? How do you start new? I know a lot of people have started anew over the last couple of years um, in moving organizations. And I think that there's there's something really powerful in waking up every morning and kind of digging deep and summoning that courage to take really big risks. And so we've kind of been speaking, kind of hinting at innovation throughout, but to deconstruct innovation, I mean, what is innovation? What leads to innovating in the people space? I believe it's a combination of risk plus agency. And so um, risk is a really scary thing to take if you don't have a culture that supports risk taking. And so taking more risks and inviting other people to take risks, as well as having a culture of forgiveness and grace for the mistakes and failures that will come as part of the success that you can only reach through taking risks, right? Through challenging status quo. And then as well as agency. And so we talked earlier about how travel and parenthood and so many other experiences can lead to resilience, but also resourcefulness, right? Resourcefulness or agency is all about doing more with less. And so if you look around and you, you feel like you're organization may be strapped for resources in certain areas, or you feel personally you're up against challenges where you have to be really resourceful. Maybe it's planning your time with your family and things like that. These are actual, actually beautiful opportunities to take risks and think really creatively and have agency. And I believe those two things together in a culture that's supportive of it will lead to innovation. And so that's, how I approach my day, my team, my work, and the outcome is um, innovation in the people space. That's, as always, Chelsea, it's been incredibly insightful, informative, interesting, um, and enjoyable, you know, just to connect with you again and, and to hear your thoughts and, and all about the innovation within the people space. I, I think that's, um, yeah, that's, that's a, a great phrase. Thanks, Kieran. It was so much fun. Take care.